Hello, and welcome to episode 219 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have a review of Batman Catwoman 5 by DC Comics. Your creative team on Batman Catwoman is Tom King writer, Clayman on art, Tiamu Mori on colors, and Clayton Clouds on letters. This is your spoiler alert for Batman Catwoman 1 through 5. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. We have a very special guest, Mr. Ryan Pond. Ryan, um, can you please give us a quick bio about yourself uh, before we get started? Uh, yeah, I am a um, comic book reader, and uh, I, I do like my own content creation via YouTube. I have a podcast, things like that, and um, I really focus on like storytelling and the story aspects of the comic books more than the, the visual aspects necessarily, but really like how all that stuff comes together. So um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter, obviously, and then I also have uh, YouTube and I've got like a Patreon that I'm working on getting up and running. So you can find me a little bit of everywhere on the Internet these days. Awesome. I didn't know about the Patreon. I'll have to I'll keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to really get that moving. So it'll be yeah. fun. That'll be awesome. Yeah. So, so Ryan, so this is a uh, podcast to discuss issue five, but um, tell us your thoughts of issues one through five to this point. Yeah. Um, for me, this is actually my first um, Tom King experience. Um, I've known of his writing and everything but I haven't really dug into it before and somebody suggested I guess when uh Batman Catwoman number two came out somebody suggested and kind of explained why they thought I would really like this book and so I was able to walk into the shop and grab a copy of number one and number two and so I've been staying current pretty much since then you know when two dropped I read one and two and then I was on three and four as they came out I felt like number four was a slight lull although it still wasn't bad by any means but overall the series uh all four issues before and this one included um they've been phenomenal I just I really love the way that Tom King has kind of focused on like picking sort of a subject or a topic to kind of uh build the story around and my favorite comics are ones like this where you can kind of get lost in the story and just kind of float around and you don't have to worry about too much. You're just enjoying each moment. And so overall, this series has been fantastic for me. These characters, the way that he's writing them, they remind me a lot of uh, like spiritual successors to uh, the characters from uh, the animated series. Mm. And so I really love that because I grew up on that. And um, visually, I love the way that um, Clay Mann uses a lot of uh, kind of like iconic shots and stuff where you see Catwoman like oftentimes she's looking up to Batman and I think that kind of represents their relationship in a lot of ways and the way that she thinks of him and uh, so there's just like a lot of great things as far as storytelling that have gone into this series so far. So what was yeah. the thing in um, issue two that somebody described to you to 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 gain your interest in this series? Um, I don't know if it was anything specific to issue two, but uh, because of their experience with the first two issues, um, you know, it was suggested to me on the basis that like, this is the kind of writing that 
you really have to uh, just kind of like indulge in and understand that, you know, it's not necessarily about knowing everything that's happening as it happens, but instead experiencing it. And um, I'm, I'm a big fan of that type of writing, you know, where uh, they're putting you in the story and they're giving you metaphors and it, it's a whole lot of show and no tell. And so that's kind of what, um, you know, somebody that I knew understands my taste suggested to me. And they were like, look, I think you would really like this because it's just like pure storytelling. And it's not about how does it connect to everything and what does it all like tie into? It's really just like, what does this issue mean? And what does it mean to the story as a whole? That's nice. And I like the, uh, the sort of the analogy you gave there, a whole bunch of show and not a lot of tell. You know, a thing that Noah and I have been discussing a lot as we've done this review is the sort of the multiple timelines, almost like three timelines um, without a lot of description as to like now, then, and then the future. Like, has any of that been confusing to you? Um, I mean, if, if I sit there and really like try to think about it, like how does all these timelines work and stuff? Yes, it's very confusing, but I, I think, I don't want to say I think it's meant to be confusing, but I think it's not really meant to be understood necessarily. Um, I think it's just, you know, really about like, what is, what is the story in this issue trying to, to tell you about these characters? Like what kind of character revelations are you getting out of each issue? And so, like, I can understand some people's frustration with how it doesn't tell you, like, this is the future and this is the past or something, you know. But I think that also helps because some issues, it feels like the future sections are like the current timeline, you know. And then there's other issues where it feels like kind of the, the middle timeline is technically like the current timeline, you know. And so that's what makes me think it's not really so much focused on, like, what timeline are we in, but more or less like what kind of character revelations are we trying to get out of those different timelines? That's yeah, that's, that's pretty great analysis. So Noah, what is your thoughts on um, issue five as we get started? Um, I thought it was great. And I, I'm way behind Ryan and just sort of sitting back and enjoying it and just sort of, you know, letting the comic tell me the story and not trying to overthink timelines or anything like that. Because for the first three issues, I, that's all I was focused on. And I, I, I enjoyed the books and I always got like what I wanted out of the story. But I think trying too hard to focus on something that is clearly designed not to be focused on, which you know are the timelines and sort of, I think that, that, uh, that, um, Ryan, like, you know, that Ryan was able to pick up on that having not read any other um, King books just sort of points to like the strength of the storytelling in this. So I finally got a hold of that. Like, you know, I, I got on that wavelength with this book and just started reading it just to get, ex to get the experience, just to feel what the book is trying to get me to feel. And I have to say that this issue was the most fun to read because of that. I started that in the last issue, which I agree with Ryan was kind of a lull, but like this one, I just let it ride. And it was like, it was really great and it was over it was over way too soon for me um also this is probably my favorite cover i was looking at it right now this is probably my favorite cover in this series so far too but yeah what are, what are your thoughts matt yeah well before i go um 
beyond the cover. Uh, the cover is really great. Um, you know, Noah, we have broke down a lot of uh, Sean Gordon Murphy, uh, Batman, uh, White Knights, and this is clearly the that this cover is clearly the most close to uh, Sean Gordon Murphy art that that I can see. I mean, yeah, that, definitely that Joker up on the top is just straight out of the White Knight. I wish I got the Jim Lee cover. Did any of you guys get the Jim Lee cover for this? I saw it today and I, I didn't pick it up, but uh, I, I have the regular cover. Yeah, I would like to uh, have all the covers in my possession at some point, but uh, I went with the A cover on this. That's pretty much what I've been picking up for now. And um, as long as the value doesn't go too high on the B covers, they shouldn't be that hard to collect in the aftermarket. So that's kind of how I think of collecting them. But every color's cover has been phenomenal, but I agree. This is probably my favorite one so far. I literally like how they, well, I mean, it's just, you know, DC black label covers are always really high quality, but I love how they um, embossed Batman and the titles and then sort of had that mat for everything else like that. For some reason, mm -hmm. it just works really well. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's just really pleasing to look at. So I think I was like, I've had this like War of the Bounty Hunters like framed next to my desk. And I think I might be taking that down and replacing it with this one sometime soon. Nice. Um, yeah. I think I think the one miss there, I kind of wish they had also embossed the uh, the blue eyes on the Phantasm. I think that would have really popped as well. I was thinking the same thing. And I kind of, I was running my fingers over the embossed stuff. And I was like, I really wanted to run my fingers over the eyes. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing. Yep. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, so I enjoyed this issue. I felt like this issue was, um, you know, this is this is issue five, so we're nearing the midpoint, and I felt like this was a fight issue. Um, and when we get into the discussion, I'm sure we'll we'll break that down. Um, so I really enjoyed it. Just you know, Noah and I have had discussions on on different uh, series that every once in a while. You know, a simple superhero book has to break down to just, you know, superheroes punching each other. And I feel like that's what we got in this this issue. Yeah, I um, this this was a big fight. This was probably my favorite issue of the five so far, because um, the whole issue, not because the whole issue is fighting, but um, it kind of reminds me of how Philip Kennedy Johnson's writing action comics and Superman right now where a lot of the action is, you know, it's there for most of the story, mm -hmm. but it's also more or less the background. And mm -hmm. so I, I thought that was uh, really interesting because you have a whole issue of fighting, but it's really what they're talking about throughout that fight that makes it such an interesting issue. Yeah, definitely. And I think that what I like about Clay Mann is that he seems to, uh, he has this like photorealism you know, like he's very like anatomically mm -hmm. correct and everything is sort of very proportionate um, to like real life. But then these like, there's this incredible dynamism to all his camera angles, especially during the fight. So I like that he has this sort of like standard framing across the board. So like, you know, that first page with Selena just sitting in and it's like, you know, normal camera stuff, you know, nothing too dynamic. It's not boring looking, but it's nothing like, really flashy but then as soon mm -hmm. as like the action starts like you get all these like 
low angles and high angles and tilts and all this like crazy panel borders being broken. It's, uh, it's great. Yeah. So I think the, uh, you know, no, you said the, the first page is pretty standard. It's uh, Selena sort of in Wayne manner, just sort of relaxing. Um, and again, we sort of, we've started a lot of these issues with sort of a, a Christmas carol being sung as sort of our, our dialogue, but the, the page turn and the reveal is that Harley Quinn is there and she, you know, she wants um, some answers for the actions that uh, Selena has been taken. So what do you guys think about the, the fact that we're dealing with sort of the, uh, the Joker Harley Quinn dynamic here? You go ahead, Ryan. Okay. Um, yeah, I thought it was one. I was really excited to see Harley Quinn in this book. Um, again, because of the um, animated series connections mm, there, yeah. obviously. But um, I just love like we're seeing all these like characters older in their lifetime. And it's it's not like what we see in say like future state or something uh, in the main continuity where they're just like kind of older, but not really like these characters really look like they've been redesigned to be older uh, versions. And uh, so to see Harley Quinn come in and the way she shows up and everything is just really excellent because it it shows us that Harley Quinn personality that that gung-ho like I can do anything I want you know very belligerent in her actions um but then like she puts on the mask and everything and it it just reminds you like yeah but she's still kind of uh kind of vain you know and uh so it just seems like a really good uh evolution of her character and personality uh into her older years you know her golden years it's interesting to see how she hasn't really changed. Like she's stuck in like regular Harley mode or maybe she's reverted back to Harley, something like that since the Joker's death. And then seeing mm -hmm. like the Joker in issue one and two where he's like, you know, unrecognizable until the end of the issue of issue one. Um, mm -hmm. Aside from some slight hints. So that's sort of, I guess that's something I thought about right now is I wonder if, if she just hasn't changed or if she like reverted back to Harley Quinn once she found out that the Joker was dead. Um, that's something I'm, I, I wonder if I, if I ever talked to Tom King, I would ask him that question. Um, and, uh, but I, I like how she showed how she, I like how that she kind of seems drunk when she drives into the, the snow, the snow drift. <laughs> and then that leads yeah. in perfectly to Catwoman being drunk on the bottom panel. That was like a cool transition. Um, mm -hmm. But also her car kind of looks like Corolla DeVille's from 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, I think that's pretty cool. I bet that, I think that that looks pretty purposeful. Yeah. Yeah. So no, you hinted at the, we, we go from there to sort of a, a flashback uh, scene where uh, Selena is uh, possibly drunk at a bar and uh, she's sort of, you know, on her mission to go after sort of some of the henchmen that have been affiliated with the Joker. And she goes about this very sort of like, um, I, I think about like the uh, the Sherlock Holmes movies where Robert Downey Jr. would sort of break down how he was going to beat you up before he did it. Mm -hmm. And that's what we get here. So what do you guys think about uh, this sequence here where uh, we get a bit of a flashback with Selena? Uh, Ryan, go ahead. 
Yeah. Um, I didn't necessarily take it as like the Joker's henchmen, but I do take this particular timeline that we're exploring here. And I guess that's something else um, that I've thought about this series is like, I think there's really only, that's why I kind of think the older versions are the like technically like current or primary timeline here. Cause it seems like some of the other flashbacks take place in different times, depending on the book. And so this scene, I took it as right after the wedding is called off and she's just kind of like struggling to deal with that. And so she's kind of just out for, uh, for kicks, you know? And so she's wallowing in her own disappointment with everything between her and Bruce. She goes out and uh, goes to this bar and gets drunk. And I feel like she's really just, you know, trying to release some aggression and some depression and some anger and stuff. And that's kind of why she like gets into it with this bartender, you know? Yeah, I kind of took it as um, her being upset because of uh, Batman catching her in the lie from the last time. And maybe because we don't know what happened. And if, if this is if this is in accordance with what that happened last time when, you know, last issue when she told Batman about the bomb and then sort of his <laughs> like we never got to see really his reaction to her knowing about it. We just saw him, you know, foiling the bomb and then sort of like them getting in a bit of an argument, but we never see sort of like, you know, I, I think this is just sort of her dealing with like maybe being a little self-destructive after being like kind of being disappointed with herself for betraying him. That's sort of how mm -hmm. I took this right here. So she's like, so, but it fits with what you're saying too, because in with the wedding, she was the one who left him as well. So mm -hmm. it's sort of like, it can be both where it's like, both are sort of like, she feels like she needs to punish herself or something like that, or, you know, become a, a worse person because she betrayed him, you know? Uh, like she's either like, she's like overcompensating and being self-destructive at the same time. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty interesting on, you know, two fronts because you know, a lot of these stories have been repurposed from what Tom King hoped to have in his 100-issue run of Batman, which he never got to tell. You know, he got to like 84, 85. So this is, some of these story points are, you know, post the proposal and the wedding and the wedding that didn't happen. So, you know, I think you guys are on to, to a lot of you know, points here that, um, you know, this is Selena blowing off steam as, you know, things didn't, didn't happen well after the proposal and the, you know, the possible marriage and stuff like that. Yeah, I like, um, but I do love how the, the action scene plays out. Again, it's got such great pacing. Mm -hmm. I love the, um, I love the inset panel with the bottle in motion right before it smashes up against the bartender's head. Mm -hmm. That's such a cool bit of pacing because like she could have, you know, he could have easily just drawn, you know, her doing duck and throwing the bottle into the air and then had that panel of him, of her smashing the guy over the head. Um, and we would have got it, but it would have been so jarring that like, I don't think it would have flowed as well. So that inset panel of her catching the bottle and then having that nice downward motion across his face mm -hmm. is just such cool composition and it keeps the energy of that motion up so well. Um, yeah, like it's, it's, just, uh, it's just great composition. It's great direction. 
Um, and, and then of course, what we love is that like the shotguns falling out of frame and like leading you up to the next panel on the next page, like just perfect composition. Yeah. And I, you know, what I like looking at that page, like the, the alignment of like the shoulder and the hand, like in the inset panel, you know, the, the swinging, the arm, like all of that stuff lines up really, really well. Like, you know, if we go through that inset panel, the, the end of that wrist lines up with her shoulder and as her hand like follows through. So we sort of have a motion line between those two panels. Yeah, the, in, in animation, that's called like an arc of motion. So like actually that inset panel is called like the anticipation. Mm-hmm. So like you have like the pullback. It's like how, you know, like how people like like cartoon characters like pull their fists back before they let the punch. Like that's that energy right there. But it's not like a straight line. It's like a nice arc because like you're right, like it does sort of follow her shoulder, but like it kind of has this nice like arc of motion. Mm-hmm. So you feel the like how it how it inhabited the space up until that place, um, like where it ends. Like that's just great. That's just great illustration in a sequential way. And it kind of is sort of why good and like you know uh, Walt Disney when he went to like start animating he got um, comic book artists on first because it's like both are not the same obviously but both sort of you have to use the same principles in order to create still images that sell the illusion of movement yeah 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 go ahead Ryan like I I never really even uh, thought about it like that but yeah, I mean, very much her arm is a, a pendulum in that uh, in that shot, you know. So you see her grabbing the bottle, and then every, all the motion swings around all the way to the shotgun pointing back up to the next page. So yeah, I never even thought about it like that. But she's kind of the fulcrum in that that pendulum of her arm. Yeah, that's a perfect way of putting it. So so after that, we get a, a transition. Um, you know, we have her sort of leaving the the bar, um, and then we go back to sort of where we were in the the last issue, um, where Noah and I mentioned that she wasn't wearing a lot of clothes in that last uh, issue, so she's she's going to get dressed here pretty soon. Uh, so she's hanging out with the the phantasm. Noah, are they under the 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 fair? Is that correct? It's the world of tomorrow. It's kind of like the. Gotham City Epcot basically yeah. um, is what it is, which is a reference to the movie, um, which is where Joker was hiding out in that movie. So Ryan, was that something that uh, that you watched? The, uh, the movie, yes. Um, I don't remember watching the movie in theaters. I don't, I don't know if I did or not, but I definitely don't have it as like a formative memory. Um, but we had the VHS as soon as it came out, you know, something I had to have. And I watched it, you know, pretty regularly as a kid. And I've even went back and watched it pretty recently, probably within the last three months. So, um, yeah, this was all stuff that really stood out to me. In fact, I believe it was just after I started reading this series. That I was like, I want to go back and watch Mask of the Phantasm now because this is such a great like spiritual successor to those characters in that world. And uh it just really reminded me of my childhood. I was like, I need to watch this again. So reading through this now, it definitely stands out to me whenever I see all the stuff from that movie. It also kind of makes me mad that we don't have a, like, in continuity, uh, a first appearance or, like, introduction of the Phantasm. 
into the comics. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I, I love that this is a mini series and stuff like that. But I think now going off of what Matt brought up earlier about this sort of all being like a, a, a spiritual continuation of what Tom King was doing in his main series. It kind of makes me sad that we're like, oh man, we could have had Phantasm possibly in the main continuity. That would have been so mm-hmm. cool to see that to open up the possibilities of her being officially introduced into Batman's rogue gallery in canon. Yeah, she would definitely come into the continuity, I would think, is almost like a like a Venom type of character, you know, this like yeah. weird hero, anti-hero kind of thing that exists alongside somebody like Batman, you know. Yeah, with, yeah. with deep ties to his origins, mm-hmm. which is really cool, too. So so after that, we get a splash page of sort of the Phantasm and Selena dressed up as uh, Catwoman. Um, you know, sort of getting dressed and, and ready for action. Uh, but after that, we go back to Harley and Selena Kyle and, and their showdown. Uh, you know, we, we, we discussed how much we were excited for sort of the, the appearance of, uh, of Harley, um, you know, to, to show up here. You know, she's obviously got her, her issues with things that have happened so what do you guys think about the the two pages you know we, we have the full page splash of phantasm and selena getting ready in this one timeline and then we're sort of going to the future timeline where we have a, a harley and selena kyle uh, showdown uh ryan go ahead and uh give us your thoughts first um i mean i, I just really like the way i mean i kind of mentioned it earlier but you know, Harley's always been this character, and this kind of ties into, like, the theme that we're given at the end there, but Harley's always been this kind of, like, belligerent character. Like, she's always gung-ho and ready to act without really, like, putting together a plan, you know? And it's almost always in the, you know, under the guise of, like, I got to do something to impress Mr. J. And so this is definitely how she approaches um selena and the front door of the house and everything right here is like she's just ready to act and she's not really necessarily thinking about what the repercussions of that could be and uh you know that's when she kind of states you know her her mission there is like she's mad at selena because of what happened with the joker so um it was exciting to see her and it was exciting to see how selena reacted to all of that no go ahead noah Oh yeah, I was gonna say yeah. To to, to go off of that, I, I like how, um, I like how uh, the the symbolism of her putting on the mask, you know, in order to hide mm-hmm. what we think is the reason why she's killing, trying to kill Selena. So in this moment, we think it's out of you know hatred of Selena for loving, you know, because because that Harley loved the Joker, right? You know, mm-hmm. so that mask that at least that's how I interpret it is that the mask is sort of covering up what we think um, she the reason why she's doing it. And then later we find out why uh, why she is doing it. Just a couple of pages. Um, you know, like and then we get to like the next splash page. We find out why she wants to kill Selena. And uh, but I, at least that's how I interpret it is like the mask is sort of like you know, covering up her pain, you know, like her real pain yeah. mm-hmm. in this moment. Um, 
but I, I to go to the splash page of uh, of the Phantasm and Catwoman. I just love the textures that Clay Man put like has in his artwork. I love the dry brush and how like it looks like he uses ink wash some other times, you know, to create some of the, like the uh, the chainmail textures on the Phantasm, and and, mm -hmm. and it looks like also in the backgrounds as well. And I like how um, tomorrow Tomo sorry Tomu Mori's colors. Uh, really accentuate the, the the textures and the inks as well. It makes me hope for a um, a noir edition of this, so you can just get the black and white art. Uh, but even then, I don't think it's as like you know. I, I really think that it is it is just as much tomorrow Maury's uh, contributions with the colors just as well as it is Clay Man's with the inks. Um, but yeah, those are my thoughts. What what are your thoughts, Matt? Uh, yeah, but if we if we look at that splash page, you know, uh, Rob Liefeld is like no feet and a little bit of smoke uh, covering up anywhere where feet would be. Uh, so he's got to like that, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. Rob Lo Rob Liefeld has a huge boner for this page <laughs> right now. No, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I you know I liked it, and I I never thought that I would enjoy the introduction of. Of, of Harley Quinn into this series for me. And I, I, I feel like it's been fleshed out a little bit better, but Harley Quinn has always sort of been like the, the Deadpool of the, the DC universe for me, where like, it was like a really popular character that I never really got. But with this, like, I like, I understand her like a lot better. Um, so the, the fight here between these two was, um, was done a lot better, uh, or not done better, but it made me understand uh, like Harley Quinn's viewpoint. Um, so I enjoyed that a lot. Um, yeah, and that kind of gets to what Ryan was saying at the beginning, where like Tom King's really good at distilling things down into themes like that makes it really understandable. And I think I get where you're coming from, Matt, especially what we talked about on the podcast for involving Harley Quinn. And that's like all the Sean Murphy White Knight stuff, which have you read those, Ryan? I have not. Okay. I'd be interested to see what you think because you know the animated series. He pours a lot of references to the animated series in all three of the White Knight books, but none of them feel like he knows what to do with them. Like he just references them and that's it. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. there's no like real like substance to why they're a part of the story. And that's sort of like very prevalent in Harley Quinn. Like he just doesn't get who Harley Quinn is. And like yeah. he has to dumb it down in order to make it make sense. And it just never, it just always falls flat. But like, it's mm -hmm. so interesting to see that like Tom King in like five pages distills Harley Quinn's character down perfectly. Um, and, it, and like Sean Murphy couldn't do it in three series. Uh, so <laughs> that's a, that's a, sorry, that's a major, I love this. I love those books, but like, they're not very well written. Um, yeah. I, I really think that this is, this is well written, but what, what are your opinions, Matt? I guess. Uh, well, I just not bashing people than I am. <laughs> no. Well, I just got an email from, from Sean Gordon Murphy, Sean Gordon Murphy, and he canceled for next week. So uh, uh, I, he's don't, probably gonna I, I don't know ass. what happened there. So yeah. Um, yeah. No, but like, so for me, like, I don't have a lot of experience with Harley Quinn. And like I said, 
you know, I would always distill it down to sort of like the Deadpool of the DC universe is sort of like this crazy character that everybody loved that I didn't understand. Um, but here, like, I know that like she loves the Joker and that's all I needed to know. Like that was her motive for revenge here. And like, as you said, like she showed up and she was, you know, she came in with chaos and, you know, just sort of like, mm -hmm. no F's given. I'm here. This is what I'm here to do. I'm going to knock on your door and I'm going to fight you. Like, and I understood that. Um, and, you know, and then we got the fight of two older aging female superheroes that, you know, are somewhat equally matched and they're, and they're fighting really well. Um, and I guess we kind of all knew that maybe Selena was going to uh, prevail at the end, but I, I just really, you know, I just really, I thought it was done really well. And I know, I think you, you hit at a point um, that, you know, we distilled this down to, to five pages, but, you know, we were, we were at the heart of the characters that like, you know, these are two ladies that were in love with two guys who were diametrically opposed to each other. You know, one lady was in love with Bruce Wayne, spoiler alert, he's Batman. Um, and one lady's in love with the Joker. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to fight each other because, because of those loves that they have. You know, they got to square off now and they square off for three or four pages. So I thought it was handled really well. Yeah. And I, and we, if we're, if we're ready to get there, but like the next splash, we have this great back and forth. And I, I'd like to hear Ryan's opinion on that. But I love that sort of page turn reveal about, you know, where, where Harley Quinn says that um, you killed the love of my life before I got to. Uh, on the next page and that sort of again is just a great way of distilling the abusive relationship that the joker and harley had versus most likely the wholesome you know one thing we know about like all the timelines in these books is that batman and catwoman are always going to be together in the end you know i think maybe that's sort of the point of this issue too is that no matter where catwoman is in her life Batman's always going to be there and vice versa. Catwoman's always going to be there, you know, and they're going to be in love. And, uh, but like with Harley and Joker, both of them have this like weird, abusive, you know, gaslighting, uh, you know, just, just psychological torture, torturous relationship. And that's all like, you know, that's just summed up in that before I got to kill him line. I really like that. But Ryan, what's your, what, what are your thoughts on the fight? Um, yeah, this fight, like one thing the series has never done is um, it, it's, it's never like hesitated to kill a character or be, you know, express some brutality. And so I really liked the way that this fight starts, like, like an animated series fight, to be honest, like, when it first starts, it seems like the kind of thing where they're just going to like fight for a while and have some kind of exchange. And then they'll both go about their own ways, you know? And then you get to that page turn where Selena just like slams her face straight down, you know, 
and you're like oh okay it, like in the even the 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 palette changes there you know suddenly it's got a lot of orange and red blood streaks and stuff and it kind of lets you know this fight is escalating right here and then you turn that page and you get the the reveal of what um harley's really trying to say here and uh that too is like that page turn also leads like into how really brutal this fight is and i think that's the moment where you realize that this is going to be another character loss for this series you know mm. they're they're gonna go ahead and off somebody because when you turn that page and you see all that blood and the the giant red letters and that balloon and stuff like it really just represents how brutal this uh, this fight is, you know, and, and what the end of it's going to become. And, um, yeah, I, I just thought it was, like, a great way to handle the page turn and do the reveal of, you know, we thought that, uh, you know, what we thought she was there for versus what she's really for there, uh, there for. I thought it was just a great reveal for handling that. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Yeah, I thought that Harley was was dead like seconds after this this panel you know action happens you know between the panels i thought i thought she was dead like mm -hmm. you know as she's being held up and getting ready to be like smashed down again i i thought that she was dead at this moment yeah because right after that we cut back to another shift in time you know mm -hmm. and it, it almost seems like they're gonna leave us with uh an off-panel death or something uh so yeah, it was really interesting the way it comes back around as well. Yeah. So uh, from here we go back to sort of Selena post uh, bar scene, you know, fighting that that bartender um, with a little bit of dialogue from the the older Selena. Um, so she's sort of stumbling back and you know, sort of giving a dialogue of, of her thoughts. Um, no, what are your thoughts here as we sort of, you know, a lot of times when we discuss the 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 pacing of comics, we talk about sort of the, the high moments, the fast paced moments, and then slowing it down. And this is certainly slowing it down. So so what are your thoughts here? It's a nice breath before like the uh the shocking nature of the next couple pages. Uh, I, I think it's really, I think it's obviously it reveals a lot about Selena's character again, going into her being very self-destructive. Mm -hmm. I like that. She, she doesn't feel like uh, she wants to take responsibility for her actions. So like she's so drunk that that's manifesting in her talking to a cat and pretending like it's the cat telling her to go steal stuff mm -hmm. or what to steal. And um, and then she just ends up getting mad at the cat and, you know, stumbling off, um, which I, I think is great. It's sort of a nice bit of comic relief, too, because, like, we obviously had that incredibly brutal fight scene with Harley Quinn. And then we're about to get, like, a really disturbing uh, torture slash murder scene coming up. So it was good to have that moment of, obviously, like you said, slowing it down, getting a breath, having some comic relief. And now we're getting back into the the messed up stuff. Yeah. So so Ryan, um, your thoughts here? You know, fast paced action sequence, and then we sort of go back to sort of Selena post uh, bar fight. Uh, you know, enjoying her her bottle of whiskey or whatever she has here. What what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I. 
I mean, I agree with everything Noah said there. It's um, it's a great way to kind of slow down and break up the pacing and, and keep us from just rushing straight to the end of the book. And uh, it gives us a little bit of levity. Like there's some comedic relief in her talking to herself or the cat or, you know, all of that stuff. <laughs> um, but I think this is also the moment, at least reading it the first time, where I realized that at least it gives, because she's planning to take something she's going to go steal something but she has no real intention uh or motivation behind it other than her own belligerence you know and so that's kind of the point where i connected back to that earlier bar scene where i'm like oh yeah i don't think that guy was necessarily important i think it was just showing us that she's in a dark place right now and she's struggling with her own self and uh she's kind of doing like the adrenaline thrill seeking kind of thing and so i thought this alley scene really just kind of like helped not only did it break up the pacing, but it kind of helped connect that specific timeline together as to what it might possibly mean by the time we get to the end. So uh, I thought it was a great way to handle all of those different elements that were being juggled right there. Yeah, that's, those are, those are good points. So Noah, if you had to draw a cat um, as a cat owner, would you try to uh, get your pet cat to, to pose and take some photo reference there? Oh, totally. I've already done that. I do that all the time. <laughs> uh, I, I did. Uh, I, I, I wrote a post about this with like Dino Thrashers, but um, I haven't used my cat for reference, but I definitely use my dog for reference all the time because of the wolf character. And uh, my dog kind of resembles a wolf. So I, I use her all the time for the wolf character. Um, whenever I'm like, oh, what does a low angle on this wolf look like? I'm like, come here, Vesper. And like, you know, like, like look up and stuff. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. So you guys have already alluded to the fact that, uh, you know, we sort of get more sinister here. You know, we have Selena and the Phantasm uh, dressed up in their costumes uh, for action. And they, they, have, a, they have a dude uh, strung up uh in you know they're sort of interrogating him um ryan what are your thoughts of this sort of interrogation scene you know the guy um you know chained up and uh the phantasm questioning him and sort of then um you know sort of turning things over to selena to uh inflict the damage yeah i um i mean this scene was kind of hard to like um, it was kind of hard to understand what it was trying to say or what it meant on the first read. But, you know, and, and a lot of this book is like that. Once you get to the end and you can kind of connect it all together, it all makes sense. But reading the scene the first time, I thought it was just brilliant the way that because um, this is the phantasm, right? This is how it works in the movie. The phantasm shows up. This is the angel of death. And, um, you know, it's almost arrow almost completely ripped off the phantasm in the sense like in those first seasons when he would show up and you have failed this city you know mm -hmm. that's kind of what the phantasm was was like you're a failure and you deserve to die because you've done bad things and um you know again like once you can tie it all back together they, they talk a lot about how he's he wants to be the joker you know or he looks up to the joker and he brings other people in for the joker and everything i feel like a lot of that was just um well, I forget what they call it. is that the red herring or whatever where like it's really not that significant it's only there like to be connected because uh you know they want to connect it to this character technically but 
really it's not that significant to me once we get to the end that he was all connected to the Joker other than it just kind of like stays within that same world. But um, it's a great scene because you see Selena struggle with, um, you know, her own sense of morality here, which again, we'll play in later, but um, I thought it was a great way to show uh, Selena's like true colors and, and how she would handle this kind of situation and, and what, what human life really means to her, you know? So I, I thought it was a great scene. Um, I would like to hear what Noah thinks about it as far as like how it connects to the character of the phantasm and the interrogation. Yeah, it definitely is a callback to like her sort of uh, revenge quest in the movie where she's just hunting down the people that were linked to the death of her father. And here she's hunting down people linked to the death of her son. So I don't feel like it's like a red herring, but just sort of a, like you said, it's sort of like a continuation though of that revenge quest. So she references how this guy sort of seeks out and uh, manipulates young people people into being like the joker's guinea pigs you know testing the gas which is how her son died so most likely this guy had some hand in luring her son to the joker and the joker killing her son so she's Mm. uh she's on this path of revenge which is really interesting because that ties into um selena's later path of revenge with the Joker in the, in the, in the later timeline as well. So it's, it's sort of a, it's sort of like, again, tying into the grander themes of revenge in this story and maybe how, you know, I I wonder if it'll ever tie um, if like, you know, Tom King in his other stories likes to sort of like take phrases of Batman's and then sort of like break it down in the story. So like he'll take something, you know, about like having to do with like, why do you have so many Robins or something like that? Or why is this the way that this is? And, and Tom King will sort of like find these like meta ways of like in the story breaking down why the character does this thing, you know, that's just sort of been a part of him for the longest time. So he likes to like over explain things in a fun way, which I think a lot of modern writers like to do. But Tom King, I think, does it a little better because he's a little more concise. So I'm wondering if selena with her path of revenge the phantasm with her path of revenge if at some point we're going to get a monologue from batman explaining why he is vengeance you know because that's sort of that was that was his sort of catchphrase in the animated show about him being vengeance in the night and things like that so i'm wondering you know as these themes of revenge start to build what we're going to see batman say about it you know and uh that, that's sort of what I was thinking about during this this whole sequence. But I also like how, again, I love the, the artwork on here. I love the textures of the inks and everything. I like how on that panel where you just see the back of the, the henchman and he's got like the light um, through the grate shining on him, mm-hmm. how you can yeah. see all the brush strokes on it. That's great. But I also like how we get this brutal fight scene earlier and this this sequence could have easily been brutal and violent and you know explicit in its violence but that it doesn't show the violence that you just see the blood splatter and then of course you see the knives flying um in the other timeline i really like that like that sort of like you you don't need to see it right there your mind can imagine something um horrifying you know yeah just mm-hmm. as well as if you were showing it and that 
that is so well done because again, we need to see the violence in the other scenes. So we're not desensitized to the violence here, which is great. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. That, yeah. I love this whole sequence, but what would you think, Matt? Yeah, no, I think you guys did like a really great uh, breakdown there. And it's like, I'm, I'm thinking about this, looking at this, like, um, and I don't know if this is the best way to, to put it, but like, do is selena kyle sort of she's almost sort of like an anti-hero right like she's almost like you know we root for her but she does terrible things like uh sort of like the the the, the punisher right but he, she mm -hmm. has sort of like a line that she's not gonna she's not gonna cross and like you know if somebody comes at her you know sh she'll fight them like one-on-one but like here, she's just sort of like caught off guard and like she doesn't know if this guy is guilty or not. And he's strung up and like if she had all the information that she, he was guilty, like she would clearly be OK with him being off. But she's just sort of like taking all of this in and she's not acting like I don't know if that's like the best sort of like analogy for this right here but like that's what i got from this like this is sort of like the selena kyle like anti-hero like she doesn't always do the right thing but sometimes she does the right thing and this is sort of like her doing the right thing like does that make sense to you noah yeah kind of yeah um it's like you know it's like what we talked about punisher before where it's like we don't we don't see him as the good guy. We don't necessarily sympathize with them either, but we know why they're doing the th things that they do, mm -hmm. right? And that makes them compelling characters. And it's kind of like with kind Rorschach like as well, like what's going on with like, Tom King's just really good at that, where it's like, you can, you can show a character, you can show their backstory and empathize with sort of the sadness that they go with, but you can't necessarily sympathize or empathize with the actions that they take. But there is something about having a character that has well-established goals in mind. So, you know, whether that's as simple as like, uh, you know, Selena trying to steal something while she's drunk or, or right here where she's just being held by the whims of a mad person, the phantasm. And even in the way of the phantasm is where, you know, the phantasm's goal is to kill the people responsible for killing her son. Mm -hmm. We are naturally like you know intrigued and compelled by a character that has well-defined goals you know and uh mm -hmm. that's just tom king being a really good writer and understanding that so we 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 are able to go along with selena and the phantasm not necessarily because we empathize or sympathize with their violence but we understand their goals and we are we'll we'll not necessarily root for them but we'll be interested to see where this goes it's kind of like with breaking bad too you know something like that you know very good point yeah. so so after that we we flip the page and we go back to the uh selena um harley quinn fight and uh in wayne manor um you know and this is sort of a great sort of um three it's four panels but it's sort of like an upshot like action uh up to down with um in the middle selena and harley uh sort of breaking the panel um as the as the fight continues noah as an artist what do you think about the way that they sort of 
um, broke the panels with the uh, the two characters in the middle and sort of the action going on around them. I love it. It's a great way of getting the, you know, uh, again, talking about the downward motion of things, right? Mm-hmm. That's just a great way of us obviously following the composition down, but also the movement down so that the impact of uh, Selena's like slash across Harley's face that knocks her out has so much more impact, you know, than uh, if it was just sort of like, you know, four panels all within their borders, you know, of action leading to action, that kind of stuff. But to have that, those two characters placed in the middle and we're following Selena's downward motion from up top, you know, like downwards to, you know, the, 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 the panel at the top of the next page, it just sells the action so much better. Does that make sense? What I'm saying, I guess. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I see that mm-hmm. Ryan, uh, what are your thoughts on the, the composition of that page? Yeah. I mean, I, I like, to me, it kind of has like, this X layout where if you look at, um, you know, Selena is on two sides of the page, like the left and right. Mm -hmm. And then you also have Harley on the left and right, but you know, they're opposites of each other. So you kind of get like this cross effect and even almost like a circular motion. But if you look at that cross, you know, it puts the text and the dialogue very like center of that, just below where it would cross, you know? And, And I think it does just like, it really draws your eye and it flows in like a very circular pattern across the page. And um, it, it, it gives a lot of momentum. Like uh, when Noah was talking about like how it gives so much impact to how Selena kind of like slashes uh, Harley there across the face to knock her out. Like it gives a lot of momentum to that, that swing, you know? And uh, so I think that that has a great effect on the impact that it has as a reader. Yeah. So we often talk about like uh, lettering a book is sort of the the unsung hero of, uh, you know, doing a book. But if you look at the middle of this page, there are so many panels that are that are done really well to, to continue that sort of circular action and not take away from the art and and give so much dialogue and, and move the story along that that's done really well. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I, I was just thinking, yeah, as you were saying that, I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't even think about the, like, you know, the balloons and how heavy the dialogue is on this page. You mm-hmm. know, you just moved along with it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, because it's yeah, like, great. it's normally, you know, we've seen, you know, two to three to four, you know, word balloons per, per page, but our purple um, panel, but this was might have been the most, text heavy part of the book and it did it just sort of winds around the characters and it's also a good way of us freezing on those two figures the central figures because that's where the dialogue is the heaviest mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we really stay with that wind up right there and again i'm sorry i sound like a broken record but you stay with that <laughs> wind up and then that sells the punch yeah mm-hmm and then as we turn the page um noah this is something that we've seen before um, you know, the two characters, um, exhausted, possibly deceased after the, after the battle, um, 
you know, the, the background drops out and there's, you know, we have a sort of a white surface with a little bit of shadow um, to make us focus in on the characters. Um, uh, so I'm gonna lead off with Noah, but what are your thoughts about the, uh, the, the background drop off, something we've seen a lot in our, our breakdown of comics uh, in the past? I love it. It's such a great like exhale after like we've been you know after we've been intense and it like you know good for uh maury again filling filling up that panel in the like you know that blue panel with like speed lines Mm -hmm. you know on that previous page so that each page just each panel just feels so heavy with detail that when we have the background drop off and the next one it just feels like an exhale it's really great pacing um and it's yeah it just feels like a release of tension in yeah. that panel so ryan like uh is that one of your favorite things in comics is like when they when they drop out the backgrounds to to make you concentrate on on the characters and sort of um you know feel for a moment or slow down for a moment and concentrate on the characters oh yeah i uh i really love whenever they do that or like even you know just a solid color like one of my favorites is yellow when you get like just like a yellow square with that that reaction shot you know Mm -hmm. and it really just intensifies your focus and tells you what the emotion there is i also i really like the way that they handle that top of the page there with the the blank white because um if you i don't know if you notice but like the more you go through the book right whenever it first starts out like harley shows up and selena is like mostly quiet and harley does a lot of talking and as the fight progresses through the book, you get to the point where Selena is doing a lot more talking and Harley, she gets to the point. She's just saying her balloon word balloons are die, 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 die. And mm-hmm. then you get to this particular page here. The only thing she says is die one time. Like she says it at the top of the page and in the middle of the page. Um, oh, and then she does say die, die, die there in the middle. But then whenever you get to that white spot and, uh, you know, Selena's still talking, but Harley's out and she doesn't say anything. And it kind of feels like this progression of uh, Harley's character through this book where she came in, she was running her mouth, she was talking a lot, and she just becomes more belligerent over time. And so there's less dialogue for her, but there's more action and emotion. And so you kind of get the completion of that arc when you have a page where she has no word balloon now. She went from saying all this stuff to saying die, 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 to just saying die, to not saying anything. And uh, you're left with Selena there just with her own words, you know, and I I think that was pretty impactful the way that they handled that with that white background. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, So from there, we, we moved to Selena sort of on her, her drunken adventure. Uh, She's looking to steal something and she's standing on a, glass surface over top of, of something and we can see uh dinosaur bones um the the glass begins to to crack and she falls through um this is sort of the the bottom half of that uh that panel that we were just discussing where the background drops out um so we have a lot of downward action um, we sort of have the moment of like the cracking glass and, and breaking through. There's a little bit of breaking glass, uh, breaking the panel with the fall. Um, 
Noah, uh, you know, as we continue, we're, we're moving the story along. We're back with Selena and her sort of drunken escapade. Um, what are your thoughts here, um, moving the story along? That's uh, a great, again, another great moment of comic relief uh, before sort of like the final punctuation to the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, again, great pacing. And this time using uh, sound effects, which I guess were, mm-hmm. have been used throughout this story, but it's sort of cool to see the sound effects being used as like pacing in this mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. It's great to have a, like, I, I feel like I get my money's worth with these comics where you have like, you know, things aren't delivered the same way. Like they're not just one note, right? So we don't, I brought it up with like the violence, right? It's not always the same type of violence. You don't always see what happens, right? So you get to fill in the blanks there. And, you know, you have that page before where the pacing is sort of used. uh, Everything is sort of slowed down using just dialogue. And I like here how we spend time on panels not because of dialogue, but because of sound effects. So I really like that. And then, uh, yeah, then I like sort of like how this 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 sort of st- storyline wraps up with with Batman entering into it. Yeah. Uh, so you know we have the crash, um, Selena hitting the uh, the dinosaur bones, continuing the fall, um, her looking up through the sort of the broken glass, um, sort of blacking out for a moment. Um, you know, Batman shows up and then we have to assume that's Batman leaning into the picking her up. Um, Ryan, uh, here, you know, this is sort of a fast moving, not a lot of dialogue, but it's moving the story along. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, the, the page design of the, the fall and sort of the, the moment of sort of looking up like, oh, I messed up. Oh, there's somebody here to, there's somebody here to, uh, to save me. And that, that's somebody being Batman. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Uh, well, I mean, for the page itself, like, I think it's probably the most like cinematic page in this book. Um, simply because with the fading out of the, the jingle bells, like we heard at the very beginning of the book, it kind of lets you know your story is coming to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like the way that it flows down and you kind of see what's happening, like you can definitely imagine that in a movie or, or an episode of TV where as you're getting to the end and she's kind of like fading out, the music's fading with it. And it's like this real, like, just like kind of calm moment where um, Batman's like walking up to collect her, you know, and uh, then you get that great reveal on the next page where he's just walking away with her and um, she's just just awake enough still to understand what's going on but like she's really upset that um you know she's kind of like went out and been self-destructive to get back at batman but yet that's still the person that that showed up to save her you know and so i I thought this was probably the most most cinematic part of the book and it was a great way to let the audience know like okay we're coming to a conclusion for this story and um this is kind of where you're getting like your thesis out of everything yeah, so Noah, um, why don't you expand upon that? I Yeah, I can definitely get like a, you know, like I can definitely see how this plays out cinematically. I like how, I like the word use of that word right there. And I, I kind of like the, I kind of like the calm that Batman brings 
like the stability that he brings to bat to Catwoman's life. And I feel like that's illustrated right here. That's the feeling that I get at least in this moment is that mm -hmm. we've been sort of unstable throughout this whole story. But once like Batman, the, the superhero enters the picture, all of a sudden there's this like calming, like, you know, stability that comes with him in this moment. And uh, I, I don't know if that's the use of like him breaking the panel on these like, you know, static images of her sort of fading out. That's, that's like, you know, a really cool way. And then obviously like, you know, you sort of have the hero like looking up at the hero, you know, descending mm -hmm. and, and coming to help you. I really like that. And that kind of is carried over on the next couple pages. Um, it is like, it is carried over on the next splash page, obviously with him carrying her to the Batmobile, you know, like it's sort of a classic image, but also after we get past the um the final page with the phantasm we kind of have a, i feel like there's kind of a similar feeling when uh catwoman and her daughter um her and batman's daughter show up but we can get to that too yeah i think one thing that's interesting here is like i feel like the last time we saw bruce and selena in in costume like they were you know, doing the typical DC, you know, brooding on the top of a cathedral and sort of she jumped away from him and left him, you know, on his own. And then she fell through something, you know, a glass surface on a museum here. And then he showed up. So like the last time we saw them in costume, it was her sort of with him having a disagreement and, you know, leaping away and then sort of her, not sort of leap, but sort of her, her fall, he was there again. So like she leapt away from him, but then she fell and then he was there to, to catch her. I don't know if like that's sort of a continuity that they were going for. Um, Noah, what do you think about that? I think I agree with you. And I don't really have much to add besides that. I definitely, yeah, I think I, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. I don't want to be the guy who brings this up again, but there's no feet on that splash page other than her feet as she's being carried. Smart artist. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Good job, Clay. <laughs> uh, so, so no, you brought this up that, you know, after that, we sort of, uh, we have a bit of downtime with, uh, with the ladies you know we have the phantasm and uh selena sort of debriefing each other um for for a page um ryan um what are your thoughts on you know we saw selena and the phantasm in this sort of interrogation and now we're sort of uh slowing things down again um as the issue comes to a close what are your thoughts on this this page here uh yeah I I mean, I thought this was important because it kind of like brings things back around because this whole issue is um, Selena, Harley and Selena and uh, the Phantasm, you know, and uh, you get like that one, you know, basically two pages of Batman and then you get uh, Helena comes back here at the end and um, I believe that's her, num her name. Um, but, you know, she comes in and she she catches her mother like in the situation of um 
you know, it, I guess like just honesty, like the one person in the world that really knows who Selena is, is her daughter because, you know, she walks in and she sees her and Selena doesn't lie to her. She doesn't tell her anything different. She's just like, the world is full of crazy people. And it's kind of a lesson to her daughter, like, you know, that you got to take care of yourself because there's crazy people out there. But I think it's also revealing um, for her daughter to see her like that, to know like the only person in the world right now that really knows who Selena truly is, is, uh, is her daughter. And I think that's important because I, I think that's what this whole issue is about um, is, you know, who Selena really is at her core. And uh, so I thought this was a great way to kind of end it and set up the, uh, the next installment of the story is like, you know, how is her daughter's relationship and perspective on her mom going to be moving forward? Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, so Noah, uh, your thoughts here? Um, I, I like the ambiguity of where we leave Selena with the phantasm. Mm -hmm. I like how they, they're both trying to figure each other out. It's sort of interesting that uh, Selena was just sort of observing the phantasm, but the phantasm was also observing her and seeing how she felt about sort of the actions being committed. So it's kind of cool to see this like Clarice and Hannibal Lecter thing going on between them. You know, where it's like both are sort of like trying to figure each other out by just sort of observing them in like certain situations and how they react to certain things. So I really like how that's going. Like this is sort of like the cat and mouse game, like psychological games are sort of starting to be played here. That was a cool way to leave it off. Also, it was cool to have a a different way of establishing where like the, where they are now. So like having that robot be the first panel was a cool way of like, instead of just doing like, you know, the typical like exterior establishing shot to have an item that's tied mm -hmm. to the location. That was a cool way to establish, you know, where they are in this, this scene. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, I like, uh, I like what Ryan said. Like I, I have really nothing to add besides what he said. I think it kind of wrapped up things perfectly. And I kind of feel like, uh, I kind of feel like in the last issue because of, you know, the last issue was um, we didn't see the new, you know, we, we, we didn't see um, Helena, the, the, their daughter in the last issue. We kind of have been with like out to like, you know, out to sea without like, uh, you know, like, you know, we're up Shit's Creek without a paddle with mm -hmm. old Selena, basically, you know. And then like when Helena shows up here at the end, you kind of feel like, oh, maybe there's something to anchor her in these final moments right now, you know? So we're kind of left in a little hopeful that maybe she'll stop her sort of like rampage going forward. But I don't know. Maybe that's me adding things onto it. But I kind of feel like a little more hopeful for older Selena going forward. Maybe her daughter will talk some sense into her. Yeah, I... I could see that. So let's turn our attention to to predictions, um, what we might see, you know, in in future issues. You know, this is this is five of twelve. Um, let's let our guest Ryan uh, go first with uh, uh, predictions on what we might see in the next couple of issues or as the series wraps up. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's that's tough. Um, like I, I see Batman coming in more. I think 
like not that I necessarily missed him in this issue, but I think it would kind of burn the audience if we got a lot of issues with no Batman in, uh, you know, or as little as he was in this one. Um, obviously, Harley's out of the picture here, so she won't be back. Um, but I, I think the way that it ends and stuff does set up a great opportunity to really dig into, uh, you know, Selena and her relationship with her daughter and what her daughter's perspective is on things. Um, because like at the end of the day, I think that, you know, this issue seems to be about like one, who Selena really is not, not how we see her, but who she really is. Um, but I think it's also dealing in perspectives. And, uh, so I think that would be the next direction I would expect it to go is giving us the, the perspective of her daughter and how she sees her mom and what their relationship is. Um, and, I don't necessarily think we're going to get a ton of backstory on where the daughter came from and um, what all of those relationships are, but I could see, um, you know, some projection as to like how the daughter sees Bruce and, and sees Batman, you know, him being gone, like what is he to her? And uh, so, yeah, I guess what I'm saying there is like, I could kind of see the sixth issue being more or less about family and, and what the family dynamic is between these three characters. Uh, Noah, uh, your thoughts? I like Ryan's prediction. That's kind of what I'm feeling too. Um, especially, yeah, like since we've we've had two very uh, heavy Selena-centric issues, it would be nice to have a Batman, more Batman-centric issue coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at the same time, this whole story seems to be told from Selena's perspective. So I think maybe it'll be more of a just a more Batman interacting with Selena heavy issue. And I think that would make sense too, because this is issue five. So it'll be issue six. So we'll be getting to the midpoint. So something big will happen next issue. And uh, I think something big, maybe meaning uh, the phantasm is going to reveal something big, like I'm going to kill Batman or something like that, or I'm going to kill the Joker. And here's the way that, you know, we're going to do it this way. And you're going to wonder, even though you know that the Joker was killed by Catwoman, you're going to really wonder like, okay, how did they not kill the Joker in this scenario? You know, um, something like that, I'm guessing, or Joker's going to kill Phantasm next issue. One of those, I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts, I guess, but what are your predictions, Matt? So we've seen the daughter um, sort of in the the Batman Catwoman sort of hybrid in the future sort of timeline, correct? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I could see her be, you know, after sort of all the information that she's taking in, I could see her almost sliding more to like the the Batman mantle, sort of the. Um, the altruistic hero that's consumed with his mission um, and have more of her, her father's characteristics and, and not so much her mother's characteristics, if that makes sense. So I could see her making a slide to being more Batman than she is uh, Catwoman. Um, that would be interesting, just sort of the stuff that she's being exposed to now um 
but no, I, I liked a lot of the stuff you brought up about um, um, what we could see, you know, the phantasm not making out of this, um, which would make sense for, you know, why they dealt with her in a non-continuity story and we never saw her in sort of like the Batman universe proper. Yeah, I'm also I'm also curious because one thing that they brought up in the last issue was Catwoman and Bat and the Joker having a fling, you know, and I'm wondering if we're going to get at some point a reveal that Helena isn't Batman and Catwoman's daughter, but maybe Catwoman and Joker's daughter or something like that. Oh, wow. That's and that's the. uh yeah, you know, uh, it's gonna be the Mori issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I I'm just trying to figure out how Bruce would deal with that. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, oh man, well, I mean, he he of... he would have a hard time dealing with that, wouldn't he? Oh, oh yeah. man, that'd yeah. be such good drama, especially in a Mori situation. right i mean i like what noah said there though about um the phantasm declaring she's going to kill batman um just because we know like she's obsessed with revenge and tom king doesn't usually like just like lean right into a trope but you know there's always been this idea that like batman's kind of responsible at a certain point he's responsible for everybody that the joker has affected or killed Um, And in this issue, we see the phantasm kind of connecting uh, these people connected to the Joker back to her own revenge story. So, yeah, I could totally see a a point where she decides, like, I need to kill Batman because him not stopping the Joker is what led to uh, all these other people's deaths, you know. And, you know, to go back to Arrow, like, he has failed the city and she's there for that kind of revenge. So I could definitely see that playing out for sure. Yeah, maybe... Maybe she does kill Batman because Batman's dead, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. sort of that thing where Batman has never crossed that line and he continues to catch the Joker, put him in Arkham with, you know, he's got to have the knowledge that in six to eight months, you know, that guy's going to break out and be out, you know, causing havoc in in no time. But he won't cross the line to just sort of, you know crack his neck or anything like that so maybe she's just sort of like you've had all of these opportunities you've caught this guy but you've never you never crossed that line to, to kill him you continue to to put him in prison you know knowing full well that in six to eight months maybe a year he's going to break out and he's going to cause this this havoc again you know you're just maybe not as much to blame as he is, but you know, there, there's some blame to go there with you. Um, so are you thinking maybe that's sort of her motive there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I think, then I think um, Catwoman's going to blame Joker for turning phantasm on Batman, you know? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And, and even to lean into what uh, Matt was saying there, like, I like the idea, maybe not like next issue necessarily, but maybe a little farther down the road, maybe we do see the daughter kind of like suit up and and develop her vigilante profile, you know, and and make her mission statement because like, you know, as, 
as kids and like as growing up, I think we always like try to kind of distance ourselves from our parents and like, I'm not them or I'm not like them, you know, and I can definitely tell you the, the more I start to realize like everything I've ever, you know, tried to kind of rebel against about all those things are there. And uh, we've also seen a lot of uh, portrayals of characters where when they lose a parent, they tend to kind of like idolize them in this perfect way. And uh, so, yeah, I could totally see where um, the daughter starts to suit up and she's trying to lean into Batman and Bruce and like the father she lost and trying to be like this perfect person. But then also like all of the flaws of Catwoman just kind of like pouring out of her too, you know? So if she is possibly the Joker's child, um, would we get like a, uh, you know, like a heel turn at the end where she goes, she goes bad? Mm. Mm, That would be interesting. Yeah. That would be really interesting. All right. Well, I think we did a a pretty thorough review of this issue. Um, Ryan, um, why don't you let folks know where they can find you online? I know you're really active on on YouTube and on Instagram and, and Twitter. Um, just let people know where where they can you know find your content. Yeah. Well, um, my handle on Instagram and Twitter is uh, New Guy. And that's spelled N-U-E-X-G-U-Y. Um, and I also have a website, newguy.com, spelled the, the same way. And uh, that kind of like links to everything. I have all my links there, my YouTube and everything. Um, but if you want to look for those, you can find me on YouTube under Cosmic Campfire. Um, I put out usually like a good five, maybe even six videos a week. So I'm really active there. Um, My podcast is listed under Cosmic Campfire, so you can find that there. And uh, that has like some original episodes as well as like recycled content from the YouTube channel. So if you're not really into viewing, I try to put things that aren't necessarily um, eyeball specific. I try to recycle those over to the podcast feed. So um, you can keep up with me there. And then um, I'm on uh, Patreon under New Guy as well. So again, N U E. X-G-U-Y. And uh, like I said, newguy.com is the best way to find the links to all of that stuff and get it, get in touch with me. Awesome. Yeah. And I know Noah and I have been on, on your YouTube show twice and it's been a, a great experience. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you do, uh, you do a lot for the, the indie comics community. It's, I feel like a lot of your content is not necessarily, um, focused on the big two you like to to spotlight um sort of more of like the indie creators not not necessarily to say that you're not into like big two stuff but i feel like you sort of have more of a like an indie flavor is that correct oh yeah i uh i'm reading thor and beta ray bill from uh marvel and then i've recently gotten a little bit deeper into dc so like i'm reading batman catwoman and a couple of other titles but a majority of what I read comes from, um, you know, I guess what we call the indie publishers, but everything from like Image and Boom all the way down to Source Point Press and then uh, a ton of Kickstarter stuff. And uh, my, my big focus, I like to talk to creators and uh, learn more about making comics and, and storytelling and, and what that process is like for people. So um, a lot of my coverage is on smaller and more independent creators because 
you know, it's a learning process. And I think if I can talk to people that are, you know, in that process of growing to make it to say the big two or wherever else they want to go, you know, like it's a learning process we can go through together. And um, so that's what I really enjoy is talking to independent creators and uh, indie creators in general. Yeah, that, that's really awesome. Cause you know, the, the podcast that Noah and I are doing, you know, it wasn't really our intent to, when we started off, but this is really the, the lane that we have fallen into. I know we just spent an hour talking about a Batman book, but like, you know, so uh, I'm, I'm speaking for Noah a little bit here, but like, we love the, the interviews where we're talking to um, a dude or a lady who's, who's running a Kickstarter or, you know, they have a book that's in the, in the back half of previews and, you know, they just need people to, to know about it. They just need eyes. They need ears for, for people to know about it. Um, and that's something that we've really enjoyed. So I know, I know I spoke for you a little bit there, but like, I, I would assume you're in agreement, right? Oh yeah, totally. I, I, uh, I mean, I love talking about Batman and all that stuff, but it's just been really great to be on the podcast and meet people like you who are trying to, you know, do their own thing in comics, whether that's, you know, you know, like w- with your podcast, with your videos, all that stuff, like, and then it's just great to see people like do what we, what we do, which is just sort of try to expose people to all of the different voices out there and all the different stories that are told. Um, yeah, it's great. And I, I'm just, I'm, I feel very lucky to be sort of in the same, uh, like, you know, same sort of area of like media with people like you, Ryan. So it's really great to have you on and, and to talk with you about stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and likewise, you know, like I, I'm very appreciative of what you guys have, uh, the, the content y'all put out as well as like the the community and the sense of connection I've made with you guys. And um, I guess like to kind of tease the audience, I recently talked to uh, Omar Morales of uh, the Lunar Ladies. And uh, I believe you guys talked to him recently as well. So uh, I'll have that episode coming out probably just before after you guys release this episode. So um, definitely look out for that. Because one thing I like personally, like I don't like to listen to interviews with creators that I'm about to talk to until after I've talked to them. But I love to listen to other people's interviews with them so I can see like what kind of different angles and perspectives they other people are taking on interviews with the same people that I've talked to. So um, you know, I often find episodes that are kind of companion pieces to what I'm talking to people about as well. So I hope everybody listens to um, my interview as well as you guys interview and get something a little different from both sides. Yeah, I, yeah, I can I can totally agree with that. So so, Ryan, we're going to put links to to all of your, you know, your social media and in, in the show notes to make it as easy as possible for, for folks to, to check uh your stuff out so again i just want to thank you for being on and i'm just going to throw this out uh now but if uh when issue six comes out if you're if you're willing and able to if you want to come back and and break that down with us uh the 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 invite is there awesome yeah that would be excellent cool all right so um for anybody listening um if you can give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow our podcast, we're on Twitter at construct Instagram is constructing comics pod and 
Facebook is Constructed Comics. Um, links to our social media, links to Ryan's social media will be in the show notes. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, please be safe, be nice, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you. <laughs>